0: You can take your seat. I had an unusual morning today because um, I actually felt like I got ahead. you know I um actually had some space this morning where the sermon slides were all in. the heat was turned on you're welcome. Uh, Everything was going okay, and there was this moment, and I thought about what I asked of you, which is, what are the songs on your playlist? And so I picked a song that has been on my playlist now for probably 15 years, and it was really interesting to listen to that song, because all of a sudden I felt the emotion of all the different experiences that went along with that song. I remembered riding the bus to my first job after I got laid off from the church in Florida. Um, I had a bus pass, and I would pick up the bus at the corner, and I would ride it to the most horrible job I've ever had in my life. I was a telemarketer for 10 days. (laughs) And then they fired me. And I was thankful, but I was heartbroken. And I can remember that for some reason God had me have the car that day. And I can remember weeping in the car and that same song came on. And God met me in that moment. And I called up a really good friend and I was all mad and grumpy and you know how it is. And he said, This is the best thing that's ever happened to you. And I'm like, What do you mean? (laughs) Because I watched you grow past what they needed you to be at that church, and you shouldn't be there anymore. Aren't you glad you're not? Not today, (laughs) you know. But every one of us has songs like that, don't we? There are certain songs that when you hear them on the radio or they come up on your your phone or you maybe, you know, I'm I'm old enough now that some of my songs are on the elevator. You know, have you had that experience? You know know what I'm talking about, don't you, Tom? You get on the elevator, you're like, what? This, This is supposed to be music on the elevator. But all of a sudden, all the experiences that go along with that music wash over you. I'm sure it's that way for people that author music, don't you think? People that author music have that experience where they write a song about a personal experience, but then they end up in situations where other people can hear that song. And I'm sure that as everybody else is creating their emotive experiences around their music, they go back to those same experiences they had themselves. I imagine that's especially true of worship leaders. People that lead us in worship that write music, I think probably have that experience. And occasionally, maybe they might even be in a situation where they're listening to somebody else perform their worship music, and in the middle of it, they're going, wait a minute, that's not what I was thinking of when I came up with this song. I, I, I think that that was probably true of David. David. David, if you don't remember it, one of the many things that David was is that David was a musician. Remember that he used his music in the life of the king at the time, Saul, because he had a troubled spirit. And for some reason, when David would play music, it would calm the king. And so David, as a young man, as a shepherd, and we started talking about this in youth group, would, would spend hours alone, and during that time, one of the things he did is pen music. And what I want to do for a couple weeks, I, I plan on us moving into the book of Ezra real soon, but, but for a couple weeks, I just think that we need to come back to the basics of some things. I think COVID's gotten long. You know, I I went to a wedding yesterday and I resented the fact that I had to wear a mask at a wedding. And then I resented the fact that many people felt really comfortable and weren't wearing masks at the wedding. Because I'm like, I don't know where you've been. Don't get too close to me. I'm scared. You You know, all of these things that I have never thought about. I've never been concerned about where any of you have been because you might be contagious before in my life. But now I think about silly things like that. But I think that David went through this, and so we're going to, over the next couple weeks, take a look at some of his playlist. You know? When Saul asked him to play music, when they asked him to play music for Saul, what was on his playlist? You know? You know Was he doing cover tunes? Was he doing his own music? When, when he came to harder points in his life, which he did on a pretty regular basis, some of them he caused himself, others of them were brought on him because of jealousy that other people had for him. What was on his playlist that day? And so I, I want to take a look at that. And the one that we're going to take a look at today is an interesting one because this song has been covered by some very popular musicians. I can remember being a young youth pastor, and there was this group that was out, and everybody was talking about them, and they were the cool group at the time, and, and they, they had cool names like Bono and Edge, you know, and, and everybody talked about them, and they came out with an album called Joshua Tree, and on that, uh, on that, they had this song called 40. And I can remember hearing it for the first time and going... That sounds really familiar. Well, where is that song from? And I came to realize that that song was nothing more than Bono stealing lyrics from King David. And what he was really talking about on that day was Psalm 40. And I've been calling Psalm 40 the waiting song. You know? Maybe you can hear Bono starting it. I waited patiently for the Lord. Or, you know, maybe you can hear it. But, but this is what this song is about. And this, for many of us, is a song of our lives. Or we're having those moments where we're waiting on the Lord. Have you ever noticed that he is unconcerned about our timeline? Have you noticed that about God that he, he doesn't understand the urgency of our request. sometimes. It's kind of like when you go into a room or you go into a place, have you ever been into a, a place of business, and it's obvious that they're busy with something other than you, and you're standing there going, you know, uh, that's what this psalm feels like. And this is David's psalm, and it really has three parts, Okay. The first part is history. Okay, the first couple of verses we're going to read—they're all about history. They're about an experience that he had had with the Lord. Then the second part is about what changed about him because of that, and then the third part is his present experience. And so I think we're going to learn something as we take at the look, look at the look at the life of David. In verse forty. Chapter 40 of Psalm, verse 1, it says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. I'm not sure what his experience was at that time. It's interesting, one commentary said this, it says, whatever that experience was, was more significant than the the present experience he was having. But there was a time in his life, where he waited on the Lord. And every one of us has those experiences in life, where we have to wait on the Lord, where we're in the line, and it's like God is moving the people in the other line faster than us. You know, It's like we're at the grocery store of God. Have you ever done that, where you, you strategically plan which line you're going to be in? You know, you're looking at the number of items they have, and the, you're like, I think I picked the right line. And then what happens? The person in front of you is looking for their checkbook. And they have a coupon somewhere that is miraculously supposed to make everything better. And you just want to give them 50 cents so they'll move on. David waited patiently waited for the Lord. And this is what he said. And I love these pictures of what he said. This is what he says. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined and he heard my cry. I was waiting for the Lord. And he's being honest and he's saying, when I was waiting for the Lord, I wasn't waiting unemotional. I was waiting an emotional wreck. And God heard and turned. He, God inclined him to him and he heard his cry. That's how I met Nancy. I met Nancy because instead of being an invisible person that happened to be at the desk where I picked up other girls, one day I was waiting and I saw her crying. And all of a sudden I honed in on this person and I said, what's going on? And that began our relationship because she was having an emotive experience that day. God responded first to things that said as he inclined to me and he heard my cry. And I love this. In Psalm 117, it talks about God inclining his ear to hear the prayers of his people. And I have this picture of God as bending down on my level to hear what's going on with me. It goes on and says more about it. It says this, He drew me up from the pit of destruction and out of the miry bog, and He set my feet upon a rock, and making my steps secure. It's like He did more than just hear me. He grabbed me, and He pulled me out of the and muck and mire of my life and the junk that was going on, and He gave me something solid to stand on when I was in a slippery place. You know, there's these horrible videos online that we shouldn't watch, and one of them is of these kids walking out of a school not realizing how icy the sidewalk is, and you sit and watch one after them, they keep on falling, and then they try to get up and they fall again, and they fall again. But we've had that experiences in life, haven't you, where you try to, you know, you say, "Hi, I've got it, I'll take care of it." And without realizing, you just keep on slipping. and God, out of his love, somehow, grabs us at that moment in all of our dirtiness and horribleness, and he reaches and this was David's experience. That's why over and over again, I think in the Psalms, he talks about God being his rock is because he knew that that's what he stood on. That he had this firm foundation, this solid place where it was. And and not only that, but all of a sudden his steps were secure. Verse 3 says this, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to my God. All of a sudden, I went from the anguish of life to humming a song of joy because of what God did and continues to do. And so when David would hear this song sung, because he actually had it, he had mapped it out for it to be a part of temple worship, can you imagine the things that he thought about at that moment? When they would get to this line, maybe there would be a tear in his eye, but there would be this confidence of, look what God did for me. This is my history. He goes on and says this in verse the end of verse, many will see and fear and put their trust in God. Because see, here's the reality, is that we never do this in private, do we? Have you ever noticed that when we struggle in life, somebody always knows that we're struggling? When things are going bad, somebody always knows that things are going bad. Somebody comes up to us and goes, so I heard, and you're like who told you, you know? You know. Well, I just noticed, or, you know, that's a hard moment. But at that moment, there's also this ability for us to watch the incredible glory of how God works in the lives of people. Have you had that experience? Where maybe it wasn't your own faith walk, but it was somebody else's faith walk, and you saw God do great things, and you went, yes, God. You are God. You are incredible. You know, the world is watching us right now. And they're watching how we act and what we do and how we handle things. And many of them need to see and then fear God and go, I, I, you know, I, I don't know how you did that. I, I don't know how you're able to do that. It said, it says this, and if you haven't underlined this in your Bible, you need to. This is the blessing of the waiters, is what I'm calling it. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. And do you know what the greatest lie is? Is that you are alone and that God is not there. That is the greatest lie of all times. And many of us, in the middle of our circumstances, all of a sudden, we think that, don't we? We think that we are alone, that there is no one else there, that there is no one to help us, and that we have been abandoned. I talk to people all the time and and, and some of the people will tell me that their faith story is that I trusted God for a while and then he failed me because he didn't do what I wanted and then I turned my back on him. That's not exactly how they say it, but that's probably the truth of what's going on, right? But God is calling us and this this should be the blessing. I'm not sure that you want me to end the service with this. But blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray for a lie. And Satan is the greatest liar of all times. And he is constantly whispering some kind of junk in our ear. Isn't he? In verse 5 he says this, you have multiplied, O oh Lord, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. You know? How many of you only have one thing on your list of God's faithfulness? Two? No, He continues day after day. So when we sing a song like, Great is thy faithfulness. It touches us deeply. Why? Because we know that for generations, God is faithful. None can compare with you. He goes on and talks about that. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. You know? Grandpas and grandmas you need to sit down with your grandchildren and tell them the stories of God's faithfulness. Moms and dads, you need to sit down and tell your children the stories of God's faithfulness. Brothers and sisters, we need to gather in our core groups, around a coffee cup, over the phone, in texts, and we need to proclaim daily to one another The faithfulness of our God. That is one of the great tasks, I think, of the body of Christ. And it's not so much to go, oh yeah, you know, to poo-hoo other people's experience. No, it's to enlarge in God because some people are serving a very small God and they don't realize how great He is and how innumerable His acts of faithfulness are. You see, waiting did something for him. Waiting shifted David's relationship with the Lord. If God would have just always done everything automatically, he would have been a vending machine. Okay? But there's something important that happens to us when we don't get it all right away, isn't it? Waiting does something that maybe we need. So David, in the next couple verses, talks about the things that shifted in his relationship with the Lord. The first thing that shifted is that God opened his eyes. It says, sacrifice an offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear. It's more than just the ritual. And you remember, David would have been a part of the time where the rituals were great. They had rebuilt the temple. They, they were in the process of building the temple There were great sacrifices. They were following the rules. But it wasn't so much following the rules and the routine that was important. It was in the middle of that that all of a sudden he realized because God has been faithful, he could listen to God and his ears were open to God. Some people who do not trust God find it really hard to do what he says. They're they're constantly, they hear this voice in their head and they're going, well, that's not such a good idea. I, I think we need a plan B, God. I'm not sure I like plan A. But the first thing that shifted in him is it became more than just doing the right acts. Showing up at the right time. Following the right rituals he realized that God wanted to have a personal relationship with him because God had personally taken care of him. And so one of the things that became true of that moment is is that his ears were open. One of the scariest moments for each one of us in our Christian experience should be when we are really struggling to figure out what God's will is. Because the problem might be that we can't hear because our ears aren't open. Uh, I have spent a lot of time around machines and I went to too many rock concerts with teenagers when I was younger. And so I have lost a part of my hearing. Okay? And so Nancy will tell you that there are moments where she's not very sure that my ears are open. But there are those moments that I really want to hear what she has to say so I take off the headphones or the hearing protection. I turn off the radio in the background so I can see better. You know what I'm talking about? David had that experience with God where all of a sudden, because of God's track record, he really wanted to hear what God had to say. It was of value to him. So the first shift was that God opened his eyes. We read on and it says, "Burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not required. "'Then I said, Behold, I have come.'" in the scroll of the book is in the scroll of the book it is written of me you know when david penned those verses he was talking about the reality that he believed that god's word was written for him that this was not just for some people this is for him and i'll show you how much of the bible david had david had about this much David had the books that some of you don't even like to read. (laughs) That's all he had. But in that, he found out the most interesting thing. He stopped asking the question, God, what do you want? And started asking the question, God, who are you? And the God that he met here was a very personal God. We have got to have the attitude about God's word that it wasn't written for somebody else. You know, as a pastor, this is hard. Because I can get up in the morning and I can ask this question every day. What do they need to hear? Instead of asking the more important question is, what do I need to hear? What do I need to see? What are you trying to tell me? The second thing that happened to him is that desire shifted in him. I desire to do your will, O God, Your law is within my heart. All of a sudden, not only were his ears open, but he had a desire to do what God wanted. This is always an interesting shift for a parent. We go through these moments where where our kids listen okay to us, you know, two or three days out of the year. And then there are these other days where we're not very smart, right? But then all of a sudden, there are these moments where all of a sudden, it seems like we became brilliant. And those are scary moments. Do you know why? Because we wonder what they really want. Because in our mind, we can't believe that they just want to do the right thing, and they just want to know what we think. We think that there's, they want car keys, or there's something going on. But there are also these moments where they sincerely come to us, and say, hey, I need some help here. Can you help me? Uh, You've lived longer than I have. I've decided that instead of making all my own mistakes, I would rather learn from yours. I think that there is something very special, and I, I was reading in Tozer this morning in my own quiet time, And he says that one of his greatest concerns, and this was the church of the 60s, and I don't think it's changed at all, is there isn't a deep craving to desire God and to do what he says. And yet God is calling us to that kind of a thirstiness that we long to please him. Much like a young man who's fallen in love with a woman will suddenly change everything about his life because he doesn't want anything more than for her to love him. And you've watched it, haven't you? You know? The young woman we call Tree got married yesterday. And it was a lot of fun to go to the wedding because I watched a young lady who had struggled with cancer and had to be her own person so desperately, all of a sudden looking lovingly into the eyes of some young, some young man that doesn't really know much. And is desiring to have the best relationship that she can with him. God, David, because of how he had waited and God had taken care of him. He had a deep desire to know and obey God. But it was more than that. It says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, Lord. You see, something else happened. First of all, God opened his ears, and which is important because we have two of those, Okay. And then he opened his heart and gave him this desire. And now he's going to tell other people what's in his heart. It's not a secret. He wants people to know. The, the body needs us to do this. And the world needs us to do this. We need to open our mind and say, Yeah, I know it's hard, but this is what God does when it's hard. Yeah, I, I know you can't imagine it, but this is, this is the miracle that only God can work. This is how God is faithful. He goes on and talks more about that. I've not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken your faithfulness and of your salvation. I've not concealed your steadfast love, which is a fancy word called a seed, which is God's loyal love for us, or your faithfulness from the great congregation. And yet, in the modern church today, the only person that talks is me. And we got to change that. That's why small groups are important. That's why those phone calls you make to one another are important. That's why sharing something over the campfire is important because everybody needs to know that God is faithful because there is this awkward sense in the body of Christ that it's the the I'm-the-only-one syndrome. I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one that has this experience. I'm the only one. And we're constantly looking for the wounded healer. You know, you can't really help me because you don't understand my experience. And it's, you know, and we play this game. And yet, if we just naturally talk about how great God is, it helps other people know how great God is. I don't particularly care about the New York Yankees. I'm sorry but when Bob and Scott talk about him or or Ray talks about it a little bit, I know that they love it, so I want to love it because they do because they're important to me. I will never climb the 46 peaks in any number of weeks. <laughs> but I know somebody that loves them. And because he loves them, I've learned to have greater love for them. And when I'm driving down the road, I'm like, oh, that's where Haystack is. Oh, oh, that's why they call that the rooster cone. Why? Because in relationships, all of a sudden, we find things that we never knew we'd be excited about. I'm excited about canoes right now because one of my friends is building one. That's how life is. And so, because God was faithful, three things opened up for David. His ears, his heart, and his mouth. But here's the other thing about David that's interesting. You see, there was a shift in reality. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy for me, and your steadfast love will ever preserve me you know we underline that other verse this is the next one you should underline we have got to believe that this is true but we are so willing to take out our pens and write exception clauses except in this situation or except me because of this right god is calling us to have a shift in our reality but here's this heart that's hard. We get to wait again, don't we? We don't just need his deliverance in the past. Uh, I've naively believed this. Have you ever gone through a really hard thing and thought, okay, now we get to coast? You ever thought that? You know? I- I've gone through this. I have graduate from waiting. I don't need to wait anymore because these things already happen. And then something else happens, and we go, what? I have to wait again? What are you doing? God, this is frustrating. But that was his experience. And so he says, this was his reality. He says, for evils have encompassed me beyond number. He goes on and talks about his present realities. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head, and my heart fails me. All of a sudden, the next time we wait, there's a couple things that are going to happen. Okay? Whenever you're waiting for something new, or you're needing God to deliver you something new, the mountain looks bigger than it's ever been before, doesn't it? And all of a sudden we go, God's really good at things below the high peaks, but I don't know if God can do mercy, you know? I think I have a Mount Joe God, not a Mount Marcy God, right? Because all of a sudden, the new wall, the new obstacle, the new need is so great, we're thinking, oh, I don't know what God's going to think this time. Sometimes that's because of our life experience. Some of you have had the life experience where you've needed people to help you, and instead of helping you, you got the lecture. Have you ever had that happen before? Or you've gotten the look, like, really? Or you've been demeaned. And so you can't imagine going to God, because God can't be good because my earthly father wasn't good. God God can't be good because my earthly supervisor isn't good. God can't be good, and this is a big deal. And that's how David felt at this moment. Not only was he aware that there was this barrier here, but all of a sudden he was aware of his own sinfulness. Because Satan will do that. Satan will come into our lives, and all of a sudden, when we need deliverance, he'll say, This God won't deliver you. I saw what you did yesterday. God won't deliver you. I see the things that you struggle with. God won't deliver you. I know your private thoughts. I've been watching them. God won't deliver you. You are too sinful for God to take care of. And all of a sudden, do you know what happens at that moment? You see this thing over here? All of a sudden, that becomes a question mark instead of a cross. And all of a sudden, at that moment, all of a sudden, we think, well, God maybe took care of me in the past, but I don't know if he can take care of me now. I don't know if the cross covers this one. Because that's what Satan wants you to think. Ooh, you 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 did the big one this time. This is definitely a felony instead of a misdemeanor. You are so in trouble. You know that verse that says that that talks about the sin that can be unpardoned? I think this was it. Have you ever had those discussions in your head? I have. And there are moments that we lose heart. And they're hard moments. But this was David's response at that. He said, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. God, this is how I really feel. Now, here's one of the things that I appreciate about David. David is gut-level honest with God. Some of us have been taught to be polite with God. We don't talk honestly with God. We, we we kind of approach Him, you know, kind of like we're, you know, you know, it's kind of like the kid who wants car keys on Friday night. He comes home and the first thing he does is he goes and finds his mom and says, how's Dad doing? Is, is this the right time? What would be the approach? And so they go, ah, I guess I'm staying home tonight. Dad's had a hard week, so therefore I'm going to have a hard night. But see, David knew God's track record so even though his heart was breaking and even though the moment was hard, he had no problem being honest with God and saying, God, I need your help. And I need it now. Please come quickly to help me. He goes on and says this. Because I think this is important. He said, let those who put those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch my life away he he talks about the drama that he's going through because a lot of times we want to be delivered because we're dealing with people drama let's be honest okay something at work something at school something in the neighborhood something inside the house And we want to be delivered. And I I think it's great that David had this honesty with God and saying, you know what, God? In the middle of this thing that I'm going through, I want the people that are the enemies of this moment, I want them to be put to shame. I, I want you to take care of that too. He goes on and talks more about that. And he says, let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire to hurt me. Wow, he's being honest here. God, they're trying to bring me down. You bring them down. You yeah? know? God, they are making up stories about me. You shut them down. You take care of things. He goes on and further, and he says this let them be appalled because of their shame who are saying, aha, aha. And we live in an aha, aha world, don't we? Just watch the election cycle, right? This is the whole election cycle, isn't it? mocking and making fun and because we see it at the national scale we expect it on the personal scale and so you sit in the meeting or you sit in this you're in the situation and you open your mouth a little bit and the and the world goes you know what i'm talking about and they give you that you are the stupidest person in the world look And for some of us, it makes us freeze and shut down. And I think David was one of them. And yet he had this relationship with God. And so he talked to him about those people and he says, God, I've got enemies and I don't know what to do with them, but you do. And here's a list of things that I'd like you to do. <laughs> I'm not sure that God always followed the list, but that doesn't mean we can't share it with him, right? Right? But may all who see you rejoice, but all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. God, God I, I want to be in a position where instead of being afraid and instead of losing heart, I just want to praise you. I want to add this to the list of your that you have on the W list. I want to add it into the God wins list, please. Here's the problem we have at this moment, is I usually explain to him what he needs to do to win. I'm nothing different than those of you who love to watch football that are like, if he'd just do a flea flicker right now, it would be just solve everything, you know? And so I, I want to dictate to God the play. You know, I have experienced God's faithfulness in ways that I can't even imagine, but I've been disappointed in it because... I decided how he was supposed to do it and he decided to do it differently. And it wasn't that God wasn't faithful, it's just that I created expectations of what God would do. I wrote the ble- I decided I was writing this instead of reading this. I'm the only one that has that problem though, so none of you struggle at all and I'm glad. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great, Lord. When I first came here, I thought I had to shoulder all of life's problems. But one of our dear saints in this church continually explained to me that I didn't have very big problems, just God did. It was hard to learn that lesson. Occasionally, I still feel like I have to shoulder everything. But God's got it. And so all I need to do is be incredibly honest with the God of heaven and he will do incredible things. Because he's got a great track record. In my family, in our church, and in his kingdom. He's not going to fail us right now. We don't have to be as worried as some people can be about the election cycle. We don't have to be as concerned about some of the issues that they feel like they need to be the salvation for. Because, see, we have something unique in our lives that not everybody has. We already have a Savior, so we don't have to be the Savior. And there might be some of you in this room that haven't come to that conclusion yet. Having a Savior means you have to humble yourself and say, I don't have it all together, and I need somebody else. I am messed up, and I have messed up. When we mess up, the Word of God calls it sin, and it explains that it's rebelling against what God knows is best, and us thinking we are God. And all of us do that. But that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. Because, see, we need to be punished for all that rebellion. But God, instead of wanting to punish that rebellion, he wanted to forgive that rebellion. So his son had to be sacrificed and take the punishment so that we could have salvation. Some of you in this room need Jesus Christ to be your deliverer for the very first time. Because you haven't asked him to deliver you from sin yet. And that's our greatest need. And if that's you today, either out there on the live stream or in this room, it's as simple as a prayer, isn't it? It's all wrapped up in a verse It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son, that whoever would believe in him could have eternal life. Should not perish, but have eternal life. And so I plead with you, some of you today, that you would allow God to be your deliverer for the first time. And deliver your hearts from the sin that is plaguing you. That you would pray the simple prayer and say, Dear God, I am a sinner and I need delivered. Be my Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Amen. That's That's it. That begins the most challenging and exciting life you could ever have. But then there are the rest of us. And the rest of us have to do this. The rest of us have to be honest and say I am poor and needy but the Lord takes thought of me you are my help and my deliverer do not delay oh my God here's the reality past waiting shifts us into a more meaningful relationship with the Lord that gives us the confidence to wait on God now and in the future. And so how do you need God's deliverance today? Or maybe you're in a period of time where you've experienced some deliverance and you get a couple days off. More power to you. But God wants to deliver us God wants to meet us. God wants to be our salvation. Let's pray. Dear God, all your promises are yes and amen, and we're thankful for that. And God, we struggle waiting but help us to remember your track record at that time and help us to understand that you will always deliver us. Your greatest deliverance came in you dying on the cross for us and your daily deliverance comes as we learn to carry our cross and trust in the God who created us, who wants to redeem us, and wants to be the Lord of all of our lives. And so God, we, we go back to verse 5 and we say this. Verse 6. I guess it's 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Who does not turn to the proud. To those who go astray after a lie. Oh God, help us to know your truth. So we will stop buying into lies. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. So, one of the things we need to do is we need to be praying for each other, and there's a couple things that we need to be praying for today. Um, uh, Greg was hoping to be here today. He says, I'm, I'm excited. He says, I graduated from the walker to the cane, and I'm almost done with the cane. <coughs> So be praying for Greg as he continues to heal.